Between You and Me, the podcast for fabulous, possibly frazzled women who want to take charge of their lives. Co-hosted by Galway journalist and NLP coach Maria McHale and Dublin journalist and the midlife coach Alana Kirk. Because let's face it, Between You and Me, we'd all love to be able to press pause once in a while. So welcome to today's podcast where we're talking about people-pleasing and a terrible affliction that has <laughs> probably affected all of us at some times. Um, I definitely, a bit like I say, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I also say I'm a recovering people-pleaser because I definitely always wanted to be the good girl for a long time. You know, I suppose I was the eldest in the family. Um, you know, I was helpful and kind to everybody. And it was all really, really just the perfect way to make sure that everybody was happy, or so I thought. But of course, as you get older and the wiser... The only person who wasn't happy was... <laughs> you get older and wiser and you realise that actually you can't make everyone happy. And so that's what we're talking about today. How... Uh, we become people pleasers, how we stop being a people pleaser. And the difference it will make to our lives <laughs> when we do so. Um, I think it's, you know, certainly a lot of the women that I work with, uh, this comes up in some shape or form uh, because it is very much invested in some sort of self-esteem and guilt. Huge Women carry huge amounts of guilt um, around having to sort of look after so many people and not really feeling that they've got the space or the place to look after themselves. But it goes back to, I think, so much conditioning as children. And this is, we're not blaming parents here for anything. But, you know, I remember, you know, when my brother and I were growing up, my brother would be told, go off and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And I was told to be good. Yes. So he's like, right, bye, have a good time. <laughs> you be good. And, yes. You know, and from a, and that's just ingrained. We grow up being, oh, come on, give us a smile, love. Mm. Let's please everybody. Let's be accommodating. And then it becomes just habit. Well, I think we get, at, I don't know if it's a parent thing, but, you know, you, you do get to the point at the beginning where it's considered good manners to be polite, you know, to make sure when visitors come round that you give them the cake first. Or, you know, we're kind of taught those kind of good manners things. But there is a difference between being kind and oh, being yes, people pleaser. Oh yes, absolutely. But the, the but point, they get very confused. Yeah, they, we, we end up doing that at the start and then it kind of becomes this thing where you think I must give everyone else everything first Yes, and I come last. Yeah. I mean, and I distinctly remember my mum serving up the dinners and my dad would get the biggest, then my brother, then her and me would probably fight out the grisly bit of meat at the end. And, you know, that was, and my parents were quite liberal. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's kind of a bit about psyche as well. You know, everyone needs to be liked. We all want to know that we're not seen as lazy or uncaring or selfish. Um, but it's that thing of, you know, you can be, you don't have to be selfish to have boundaries. And that's where people pleasers kind of go wrong, that they basically give, give, give to the point of they're literally empty and there's no boundaries at all. Yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about how we instill those boundaries uh, later on in the podcast. But just to sort of unpack the whole issue of people pleasing and what it looks like, we were we met earlier and um, I sort of had to sidestep somebody. And in fairness, she was in the way, but I... <laughs> automatically went, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And it's amazing how many times you can catch yourself apologising for things that aren't really, oh, sorry. Oh, oh, sorry, excuse me. Or or we agree when something, when we don't really agree, but we just don't want to rock the boat. Um, and, I, and I'd be quite a fierce warrior. Now, I'd be standing mm. up for myself a lot and I would have an opinion on, on virtually anything. 
but I still often in certain circumstances would just go, ah, yeah, no, I'll, I'll just, you know, I won't let, I won't, I won't put myself into that space because, you know, it, usually maybe in a, not now so much, but certainly when I was younger in a corporate space. Yeah. Um, but it's also, again, as women, this people pleasing thing is, is such, I think because, and I see it again a lot in a lot of the women I work with, is that they see their self-esteem is invested on how other people view them. Yes. And I think that's well, I think where it comes from a lot. We're afraid. We're fe- it comes from a place of fear, doesn't it? It's it does. a fear of not being liked. It's a fear of not being liked and it's a fear of not being needed. Which is, you know, we all want to be needed, really. And, you know, when you maybe don't have too much confidence or self-esteem when you're younger, you can fall into that trap. And I know for me, you know, I'm quite efficient as a person. So sometimes it was just I was thinking, oh, I'll be all efficient and I'll help everyone get all this sorted because it comes naturally to me. But what happened was, you know, more and more I was kind of stepping in, saving everyone from everything. <laughs> but who was going to save Maria? Well, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I was just exhausted from it all. And of course, nobody ever thanks you for that jumping in all the time or, you know, appreciates it even, you know. And then you end up becoming a bit martyrish going, well, I've just done all that work yeah. for X and they haven't even said thank you. That and is one of the biggest curses, isn't it, of people pleasing, <laughs> is the resentment Absolutely. that you then have. So what one of the and we'll get to this a little bit later when we talk about sort of solutions, but uh, I would often ask uh, women to, to look at the number of yeses they go through in a day. Not just the ones they physically say yes to when someone asks them to do something, but all the ones we do just because we'll just do that for that person. And then you wholly resent them because they haven't acknowledged it. Or So I got up the other morning and I made muffins for my girls because I've done it for you on a Friday morning. Don't shoot me now, I know. <laughs> and I got up and, and I really didn't feel like it. I was tired, but it's what we did on a Friday morning. And um, of course, the inevitable thing happened and there was a drama and I said, don't you know, I got up at six o'clock this morning and made muffins and blah, 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 blah. And my daughter looked at me and said, well, I didn't ask you to. Yes. And I, you know, there's nothing worse than a, an intelligent child to make you feel like <laughs> crap. But it is that idea of, no, no one asked me to. So it is nobody's fault if I feel put upon. I did that to please others, even though they did not ask me for it. And, you know, I think that's the thing that at the start, it seems like a good natured and altruistic thing Mm. to be helpful and make sure everyone's happy, even our kids, you know. But what happens is you end up just becoming addicted to the approval of others. And then that's exactly where it all goes pear shaped because everyone else is going, well, I didn't ask you to do that. Mm. And I think one of the big turning points for me was... um, and again, this is not about blaming anybody. Everyone's childhood and, and growing up is is, is what it is. Um, and for various reasons, I was the one in the family who I felt had to take care of other people. And, mm. and for certain reasons, I had I felt I had to take care of my mum for a little while emotionally and, and different ways. And I became the fixer. And I was a fixer in life. Now, partly because of my energy, my personality, I'm a solutions kind yeah. of person. So I just took on this role as everyone's fixer. And it then became a thing where I realized, I, I kind of felt that I was responsible for everyone's happiness. And then, of course, that multiplied a thousand times when you have children of your own. And I remember the point, and, you know, um, I don't want to go over the story again if, if you've listened to the, to the pilot podcast, but, you know, I ended up uh, caring for my mom who'd had a stroke just after my third baby was born. So I had three very small children. I was caring for my mom. I was in a marriage. I was doing and I was looking after everybody, of course, except myself. And I remember one day 
my daughter Kim Dine and she was in a bad mood and I had done everything I thought I was supposed to do to not make her in a bad mood because, mm-hmm. of course, I had provided the right food and I had given her lots of love and I maybe done a jigs. So I can't remember what I'd done. And she still wasn't in a good mood. And I took it personally mm. that she wasn't happy. If she wasn't happy, if my kids weren't happy, if they were having a bad day or an off day, I was a failure. And it nearly killed me. And it did break me and I built myself back up again, not just because of her, not like in the jigsaw. <laughs> But it really taught me a massive lesson that my job is no longer ever to make anybody happy except myself. That's not to say I have to go around being a selfish bitch. It means that I can provide all the love and attention and care that I want. But my job is not to make somebody's happy. Their job is to make themselves happy. And I would really echo that. I mean, I just remember, you know, probably my 20s and 30s, you know, that efficient me and doing all the jobs and stepping in. And saving everyone else the trouble and the hassle. And Did you have a cape? Probably. What colour was your cape? <laughs> I love I that actually, toilet sign. You know the yeah, one that has yeah. a woman and yeah. then they took it away. It was always a cape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, but the funny thing is I didn't have a cape because really I was just need. It was kind of a neediness and a fear that, you know, if everyone wasn't happy, yeah, that's something, you know, that so it was that kind of fear. Oh, I must make everyone happy. So I must make sure everyone is pleased, sorted, Mm. saved. And if I do that, it'll all be okay. And I think then what happened was, you know, that kind of developed into a need to control things with a small C, but just that, you know, when I had my girls, you know, obviously having twins is a lot of hard work and I got very organized, even more organized than I was to the point that, you know, everything ran like clockwork and everything was organized to within an inch of its life. I used to joke that I think I was a military dictator in a previous <laughs> life, but I had, but it actually but you have to be when you <laughs> yeah. manage a house. You yeah. actually have to be. But I think it was just this thing of like, if I keep all these balls juggling, everything will be okay. The kids will be happy. My husband will be happy. I'll be happy. My friends will be happy. But and you course, weren't happy. I was just falling apart, you know. So I think and I don't think kids are ever happy if their parents aren't happy. No, absolutely, and they never thank you for no, doing all because they don't actually don't. care. No, uh, in a nice way, you yeah, know, they yeah, genuinely yeah. don't care. And I think that was the bit. I remember, you know, you can control things for so long, but you can't control everything. And of course, that was kind of the start of my downfall, if you like. I also think, and this again has been something that I've learned from experience with my three girls, is that if we take responsibility for their happiness, we never teach them to take responsibility for theirs. And recently, you know, I have three girls in the house. And uh, so there's puberty and menopause going on. It's the horror house of hormones. And so there was a lot of outbursts and all the rest of it. And one day I said, let's all write down as many feelings, the names for feelings as we can. And we wrote them all down. And I said, OK, at the end of today, we're going to just see how many of those feelings each of us felt. And we went through them all. And I said, look, look how many feelings you can go through in one day. That's normal life. A state of happiness is not what we're trying to achieve. It's about being in control of our life and, and taking responsibility for how we feel. And it's trying to teach them that having a low mood or a bad day or being angry or being whatever is okay, And also it alleviates that responsibility for me. But this idea that uh, I'm not responsible for their happiness gives them the responsibility to be happy for their happiness. And as a a single mum to three girls, I now see my role as being a role model and having a life and going out and, and, and showing them that it's about achieving and being happy and sometimes saying no that doesn't suit me either finds an alternative or I'll do it when it does suit me and it becomes really empowering 
And we're going to talk about in a minute about how empowering the word no is. And I think a lot of women are terrified of the word no, but as one of the strongest words in our language. And I think the thing is, we just kind of get sucked into this. Like so many behaviours, we start off and we all have great intentions. There's never any kind of, you know, bad side to any of these behaviours that we start doing as such. And it's we kind of get sucked into a pattern and then it becomes habit and then that habit becomes, you know, something that is a part of you, if you like, and it's, you struggle to crack but it. But it's autopilot. Yeah, and it is autopilot. nicely into my little speech that I seem to be giving <laughs> on every podcast, which is, that's why at mid-age, at this time of our life, it's so important to press pause yeah. and have a look at what are, the, what are the things that are serving us. If saying yes to every single person in our life is what we've done, but it's really not doing us a service, then it's time to pause and say well, what can we do about it? Mm. And that's what we want to talk about now is what do we do about if we are in this place where we just feel we're constantly giving to others and it's draining us, what do we do about it? Well, of course, the first thing and probably the most important thing to most behaviour change is understanding that you actually have a choice, that literally you know that what your priorities are, you know what your values are and if it doesn't suit you, that actually it's okay to say no to something, to your sister, to your mother, to your boss, uh, to your friends. If you're about to do something and you feel like that, feel, oh, I should do, I mean, I hate that word. I should go somewhere, somewhere. I should do this. I should do that. It really, really important to just... It's a good indicator if you use yeah. the word should, that you shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> exactly. And I just think it, it's, an, it's a horrible energy, that word, actually. So just understanding that, you can say no, you have a choice, but it's not easy. It's not easy. But the way I like to look at it, and, and this is, as I say, an issue comes up a lot with the women that I work with, is I ask them to take a note of all of the yeses in the day. Not just the yeses that they say yes to, but also the things that they do without reason, you know, without being asked. And then at the end of the day, look back and go, well, how many of those yeses actually came from a place of strength and came from a place of energy and gave something back to you? And how many of those yeses were drains? And it's really extraordinary when they come back to me and go, oh, my God, like so much of my energy is spent giving from a place of just lack and give. And so how I describe it is when you constantly give, when you constantly people please without doing it consciously or doing it because you've assessed whether this is a good thing for you or a bad thing, you're like a beautiful, elegant lamp in the room. You're elegant, you're a piece of, you look good, but ultimately you're a piece of the furniture. But if you are giving from a place of credit inside of yourself, if you're giving because you know, I'm choosing to do this, I'm choosing this because I want to and because I'm going to get something back from it, whether that's just the joy of seeing a smile on somebody's face, you, are, you suddenly turn that light on. And what you're giving is not just a piece of the furniture, you're shining a light. Mm-hmm. If you, When you're giving from a place of just automotive and it's, it's draining you, the light is switched off. And when um, they start to see what activities and what yeses are draining them and which are shining their light, it's far easier then to go, okay, I'm going to say no to that and I'm going to say yes to this. But the hard thing for a lot of women is being able to say that no. So it doesn't have to be aggressive. No, and I think that's the thing that's uh, important here. Just, you know, that cliche, put on your own oxygen mask first. But This is a classic example, again, because when you're in that people-pleasing mode, the last person who gets any energy or time or 
TLC is you because you're so busy giving to everyone else. And I fell into that trap massively. And honestly, I, I, you know, that whole empty cup thing, you can't pour from an empty cup. You know, you get to the point where literally you're on your knees and everyone else has been sorted and looked after except you. And I think that is the danger with the people pleasing, you know, that nobody ultimately will be happy because you're wrecked. So people who love you will see you looking wrecked, feeling wrecked, probably bitter. But but there's a there's a a genuine fear here. And again, when I talk to women and they suddenly realize, okay, I'm really clearly seeing now the positive yeses and the negative yeses. But what do I do about the negative yeses? Because I don't want to let people down. I don't want to say no to someone. I don't want to come across as being unkind. I don't want to come across as not being loving. And that's a genuine problem. So one of the ways to do that is just to even the process of even knowing if it's a positive or negative yes will give you some strength because and and here's a really interesting thing one morning i was setting out the table for breakfast and i was putting all the cereal on the table and i was doing everything else i was also in a rush for a meeting and i suddenly thought i've been doing this for 10 12 years and i started that habit when my children were two, four and five and they couldn't reach the cereal cupboard and they couldn't, I wouldn't have allowed them to lift the bowls out of the cupboard. And I kept that habit going for 12 years even though the reason for that habit had long gone. My children now at nine, 12 and and 14 are perfectly capable (laughs) of reaching the cereal cupboard and the bowl. And it wasn't because they were being horrible children. Mm. I had just continued to say yes to that job even though there was no reason for me to be doing it. So I the next morning said, guys, one of you guys set the table. Will I do this? And there wasn't even a drama. Yeah. And it was that moment of pause to go, why am I doing this? Oh, I don't even need to be doing this. So I think even half of the negative yeses will be yeses that could be just got away with without even anyone really noticing. We Sorry. have to, yeah. yeah but, no, but I was just going to so say. So, how would you encourage people to say no to stuff now? Well, I think this is the thing of just feeling like you are in control of it all. That exact example there, you know, where you're kind of mindlessly doing something that really nobody minds whether you do it or not. not exactly, <laughs> and then you resent them for yeah. it. <laughs> and I think that's the big thing about saying no. That you know, and again. I think I struggled for a very long time with this awful, uncomfortable feeling when I had to say no to people. And I basically had this thing where I actually, someone, again, I can't remember who told me this at the time, probably a boss or something. I remember saying, oh, I just feel overwhelmed with, you know, all this stuff. And I was managing people. And he just said, well, just take a pause and say, oh, can I think about that? So you're not saying no immediately if it's something that makes you feel really uncomfortable. You know, so instead of, Uh, just um, saying yes straight away when you definitely don't want to do something. Just say, oh, I'll take, just give me a minute to think about that or I'll come back to you. And so you've taken the pressure off yourself. absolutely. I mean, there's actually a very important um, uh, corporate uh, tool that is used in time management. And and years ago when I was working in a charity, we had a time manager who came in and helped us. And this is, uh, for those of you who work in the corporate world, will understand about passing the monkey. And there's that classic idea if you're walking down the corridor and one of your colleagues says, oh, here, could you just do that report? Could you print that off? Whatever it is, they're passing their monkey onto you and you have to visualise that monkey jumping off their shoulder onto your shoulder. And you can use the same thing now, you know, this idea that, oh, could you just do that? Oh, mum, my daughter does it. Last night she says to me, oh, mum, could you change my bedding before I go out? And I was about to go, oh, yeah, of course. And I said, "Uh, well, could you even take your stuff off the bed? 
you know, I handed her monkey back to her and said, absolutely, I will give you fresh bedding. But here's what you have to do first. You know, because so many times we go, don't just don't take the monkey. We already have an orangutan sanctuary <laughs> of monkeys already. I don't need more monkeys. I'm, I'm feeding all the monkeys that I can. So a lot of it is about just passing the back. And again, when that comes to children or it comes to partners or it comes to parents, by taking those yeses, you're actually doing them a disservice because you're disenabling them. And this is a massive thing, I think, with children. Sometimes it's easier to say yes, but actually it's better to say, absolutely, I'll help you. But why don't you try and do that? And I will help you do that. Because there's another way of saying, not saying no, but you're not saying yes. I'll certainly help you. I'll certainly show you how to do it. But I actually don't have time for that right now. And that applies to your friends as well or, you know, family, because that's definitely, um, you know, I think a lot of the time we confuse um, saying yes, you know, or saying no with being difficult or aggressive. Which and women don't like because yeah. we like to be people pleasers. And there's a, another quote that I remember from my work times and it was something like, you know, actually I just got it here, I'll read it. It's to be passive is to let others decide for you. To be aggressive is to decide for others and to be assertive is to decide for yourself. I love that. And when we decide for ourselves... We just we make the decision yeah. <laughs> and nobody else usually minds, you yeah. know, and if they do mind, then that's their problem yeah. in a way, you know. And going back to what you said there, because I think that's a really key point for women in particular, is this idea of you don't want to upset somebody, mm. that you don't want to let them down. Um, and it can feel uncomfortable. And one of the, we've talked a lot about journaling and actually we're going to do um, a piece, uh, a podcast on gratitude and journaling quite soon. But when you, if, if it is something that you feel is really affecting your life, take a moment to sit down with a pen and paper and write out your yeses during the day. How many times do you actively give to another person and then tick them as a positive or negative? And I reckon you could probably dismiss 20 of those, 20% of those jobs immediately, just as we said, by just realizing that the reason for you doing them has no longer given you service. You could probably get rid of another 10, 20% just by saying, oh, I'd love to help you, but I can't. It never has to be an aggressive no. Mm. But I think the key to remember and part of, you know, this isn't going to be something that's solved overnight. It's part of a bigger problem of women learning to actually really invest some time and space in themselves um, and feeling that it's absolutely okay to say, this is my time. I need something back for me. And just from an NLP point of view, you know, a lot of the time those kind of behaviours are often triggered by something kind of in your psyche or something a bit hidden underneath, you know. And one of the big things about people pleasing is, you know, if to sit down and name the underlying fear mm-hmm. behind the behaviour. So, you know, your intentions, obviously all our intentions come from a good place, but owning up to those fears that are driving you and, you know, like, are you fearing rejection so you don't feel people will love you are you fearing failure you know are you feeling like you look like you won't cope if you say I don't have time yeah or that you need you don't have purpose if you're not doing something for someone and you know sometimes just putting a label on your fears reduces that power over you which helps you say no I had a very humbling experience over the last week um, and that was I sort of made a massive mistake um, and it was it was a worky thing, and it wasn't you know no, not life threatening, but it was annoying. And it partly was done because I'd stuck my head in the sand, and I, you know, hadn't I hadn't addressed the issue. And then a friend said to me, 
Well, if this was, I said, she, I said, look at maybe I, I want to talk to somebody about it. I might have to ask for some help. And she laughed and she said, well, Alana, you're one of the people that people come to for help. Mm. So why, when you ask for help, do you see it as a weakness? And again, I think it's one of those things. We're so used to helping other people and being kind and effective, which is really, really important. But that doesn't mean we can't ask for it back. Like I had to go and ask a neighbour the other day to help me with my rose bush <laughs> over the door. And I felt a bit, oh my goodness, but he was really too happy to help. And equally, if he asked me for help, I would do it back. So it is that case of saying it's okay to say, not right now, I'm really busy. Or could you help me do something? Absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, by just switching up that energy, you're teaching others how to treat you, you know, so that if you're not valuing your time, no one else will value your time. So, you know, instead of making yourself overly accessible all the time, just putting boundaries in place so that you can, when the requests are unreasonable or unsuitable for you, you can just learn to say no. And I think those kind of, it's more a positive yes. reaction rather than that martyry, yeah. bitter and resentful reaction. I think if you keep remembering that you, you always want to say yes by switching the light on as opposed to switching the light yes. off. And I actually, I had a, some, I was talking to somebody recently about this issue, client, and she was getting really, really upset about the fact that um, someone in her family, her daughter, kept asking, kept asking her to do more and more and more and more. This is a grown-up daughter, by the way. <laughs> and I said, okay, tell me, Every time you give away a yes, is it, does it have an increased or decreased value to your daughter? And she said, probably a decreased value. And every time you give away that yes, does it have an increased or decreased value to you, an increased value to her? So for every time she kept doing another job, the value of that le- yes meant less and less and less to the person who was getting it. Mm. But it took more and more and more from her. So it, this is such a fundamental problem that we have to just make sure that we're not just drifting through life giving so much of our energy away not I'm not saying not to the people that you love and you want to give energy to but just meaningless energy away to people when all that energy could be invested in your life because listen this is the time of our lives and it is so important that we invest in ourselves because you know our value isn't in what we invest in others. It's what we invest in ourselves so that we can shine the light on others. And I was just going to say that, you know, sometimes to stop yourself feeling uncomfortable about saying no, you know, yes all the time or or, or struggling with the no, to remember that, you know, you might not want to work 11-hour days or babysit your neighbour's dog, but, you know, if you say no to that, you get more time back to a more appealing, you know, activity. So you might have more time to read a book or play with your kids or have a bubble bath. And sometimes the saying no is a actually positive energy. So it's not a fearful energy. And another final sort of way to look at it is that for every no you say to somebody else, you're saying a big, fat, powerful yes <laughs> to yourself. Um, and so what we'd really love people to do tonight, if you can, because we've already talked about maybe journaling in the evening to, to clear that space in your head, is just make a list of the yeses that you give out in the day and how many you really want to give and how many you could maybe do without and just see what a difference that might make over two or three days. Very small steps, very small changes. You're not going to suddenly go around with a big red uh, circle and a bar across, (laughs) you know, no entry sign. You're not going to start being aggressive. You're just slowly going to say, does this yes serve me? And then give it with grace 
or don't give it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think on that note, we hope we have pleased all of the people <laughs> with this podcast. And yes. if we haven't, well, we've pleased ourselves and that's what matters. <laughs> so until next time between you and me, we hope you have a good week and uh, pe- please the people that you want to please. And most of all, please, please, please mm-hmm. please yourself. Bye. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.